Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Oh, hey there, you marvelous, majestic, magical human being. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is a privilege and an honor to be with you. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are doing amazing. This is part two with Dr. Randy Wysong. If you listen to part one, you realize how brilliant this man is. Um, So we dive deep into a lot of topics like uh, natural law, how to distinguish truth. Um, In this one, we're getting into near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, um, why there is suffering? I ask him that. I always think that's a great question. Um, understanding that you are an eternal being, how to connect with God, spirit, and truth. So this is an excellent part two. If you like part one, obviously you're going to love this part. Um, I want to thank you guys so much. I recently hit a million downloads because of you, your shares, your listening, because you're listening. Thank you. That's it. Um, and other things. So thank you so much for that. And I also reached number one in iTunes and that was a massive accomplishment. I'm so grateful for you guys. Um, in, in in reaching those goals. So thank you so much. The best thing that you can do if you want to support the show is to do one act of kindness. That's when I really know that what is is intended to be created here is working because it's spirituality in action. It's kindness in action. It's spirituality, uh, spiritual mastery in action. So if you do an act of kindness, please let me know. Just say hashtag um, kindness challenge and um, just do one act of kindness. And you don't have to say exactly what it is, but the kindness challenge, if you choose to take it, I invite you to tag three friends and just do it for yourself is to do three kind acts a day go out of your way to do it don't tell anybody and do it for a week and if you do that you will probably get a spiritual universal wink something weird will happen to you to let you know that you're on the right track because it doesn't matter what you think uh, how much you meditated how chakras how aligned your chakras are um how many books you've read on zen or spirituality or because it's an infinite depth there's so much knowledge it's ridiculous um so you're gonna chase that loop i did anyway i when i read that book or when i meditated with monks in nepal or when i trekked everest or when i trained with shaolin monks um it's just a growth it's just life and to be a spiritual master is literally just three kind acts a day so um you know tag me on facebook put uh, kindness challenge and accept it and then and then uh, get three friends to do it if you do if you can and you know that would be the best thing so do that if you can if you want to support in other ways please leave a review that really helps and inspires people to listen to the podcast i want to thank uh divinity yam i'm not really sure if i'm pronouncing that right but the title is simply mind-blowing makes me feel a little less alone in a world that may call you crazy for your spiritual beliefs i will continue to share with all my loved ones sending you love matt Uh, for your gifts and service. So thank you so much for taking a moment to do that action to support me. You can also go to patreon.com. That really does help forward slash Matt Belair. You'll find me and you can toss a buck in the bucket. And I want to thank Jade Sienega for doing that, for taking that action, for supporting the show and the content I'm putting out because it really does help. I appreciate you very, very much. You can also check out my sponsor, Sync Tuition. Uh, If you go to bit.ly forward slash gamma waves, you're going to get three free 
binaural beat tracks and they are changing over to a, a monthly model, which I told them to do a long time ago when I was in Estonia. Um, and about a year later, they're doing it. So good job, guys. Um, monthly model is definitely better for incredible 3D binaural beat gamma wave brainwave uh, entrainment tracks. So they just hit me up today letting me know that they're doing that. So it's really great stuff. If you can't sleep, if you don't feel like meditating, if you're on a plane, if you're in transit, if you want to meditate, um, it's it, they're epic They're epic tracks using binaural beats to make it easier. And uh, as always, David Lone Bear Senapass, please support him. He's got a donation page. Some what some of you, one of you, uh, gave him three hundred bucks, and uh, you know he was about to uh, not be able to put gas in his car. Like that's how bad it is for him. It's a bit ridiculous. He he is an incredible person, uh, doing his best to share the star teachings that he his elders asked him to bring here. You can listen to his podcast, and uh, so one of you chipped in and, and supported him. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that. Um, I do what I can for him, um, but I'm kind of in the same boat. Right right now so I, I wait until i'm excited about having just so much abundance where i can support people like that because he's truly special um if you go to lonebearsarts.com you can chip in by getting some art uh, he does have a donate but listen to what he's saying oh my god it's special so i'm getting off on a tangent if for those of you guys want coaching just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching i'm doing more heart journey activation sessions i'm doing one-on-one and essentially helping you um define a clear goal that's heart-centered uh, remove limiting beliefs and all those old programming, um, getting rid of those blocks, giving you tools and maps and systems to create your desire and do it from a place of fulfillment. So that's essentially what that is all about. You can check out Zen Athlete as well. Sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com and go forward slash lucid dreaming if you want a free lucid dreaming ebook and guided meditation. So that's it. Before we get into this, let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world. Just stop whatever you're doing and take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. Just setting the intention to come to total peace and coherence and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, just coming totally peaceful and present in this moment right now. Taking in another deep breath in through your nose, holding that breath and just thinking about one thing that you're grateful for as you recognize that universal divine source light connected to all of creation is breathing into you right now. Just let that breath of life out slowly with all the cares, all the criticisms and all the internal hate and self-dialogue that's unsupportive. Take it in one more deep breath in through your nose and just thinking about one thing that you're really grateful for and magnifying that gratitude and that love and that kindness and making this firm commitment within yourself now to be as kind and compassionate to yourself as possible as you send this energy out to all your friends, all your family, to your city, to your country, to the entire world, to the entire galaxy, just seeing it touch the hearts and minds of all people on earth. And I'm sending you all of my energy, love and support. All that flow from the podcast listeners in the entire earth is coming back to you into the center of your heart, which you are the creator of your reality. You are here. You are amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. So let's get into this incredible part two with Dr. Randy Wysong. The way that you come to that conclusion is by the method that I talked about in the first place. You know, you're using reason, evidence natural law, conscience, experience. Well, if you start thinking about what the creator is, for the first thing you would know about the creator, if the creator is responsible for this reality, the natural laws that exist, the, the, you know, the ultimate truth, that, that creator would, is, could be defined as truth itself. So if we commit ourselves to truth, we're really committing ourselves to 
to a God. And, and that needs to be the commitment. You know, the commitment should be each individual should, should ask themselves, <clears throat> have they really discerned and proven truth? Or are they simply following, you know, the teachings of another person? And most religions, uh, as if you study it, and the internet makes all of this stuff so, so easy now. I mean, really, ignorance is so inexcusable anymore. I mean, you can plug anything into the internet and, and get information that can help you balance out your thoughts and help you make a decision on what is true and what is not. But most religion, like, for example, the Christian religion, even the, the, uh, the Jewish religion that preceded are amalgams of religions. If they're put back into their historical context, they simply adopted you know, the beliefs of all the cultures around them that they were fighting with, that they were melding with. And like, for example, in Christianity, just basically, well, this is one of the things that really threw me when I was uh, pretty involved with uh, the uh, fundamentalist religion is when I discovered that all of the, the doctrines of Christianity pre-existed Christianity. There's something like... Uh, 200 and some do Christian doctrines that have been identified in Egyptian uh, religions that existed thousands of years before Christianity. You know, things like the cross, the, uh, <clears throat> the date of uh, Jesus' birth, uh, 12 apostles, uh, death, resurrection, salvation. I mean, you can go through the rosaries, uh, Christmas, the Christmas tree, Easter, I mean, just everything has ultimately a pagan origin. So if that's, if, if Christianity and Judaism is basically an amalgam of pre-existing religion, how, how can it be like, quote, the truth, the representation of the creator? And the way that a person can really determine whether uh, a religion is true or not is you know, basically to apply reason, look at the evidence, and <clears throat> and determine whether that religion uh, uh, promotes justice, because the laws that the Creator made, all the natural laws, are perfectly just. The law of gravity applies to you just exactly like it applies to me. It makes no exceptions, and. Uh, so by using those criteria, like you, you can go through the Bible and you can ask the question, like, uh, is the Bible reasonable? And there's all kinds of things that would uh, make you realize that it's not reasonable. The only way that it is reasonable is if you have the pre-existing idea that it was written by God and you better believe it or else. And then uh, the evidence that uh, is within the Bible does not comport with reality, and then it is—it's not just. I mean, you've got—you've got a Bible God that kills an entire planet except for one family he puts on a boat. He kills the firstborn of an entire nation. He—he he commands that uh, people kill their uh, or stone to death their disobedient children. Uh, there's death sentence for a, a woman if she is not a virgin when she gets married, for gathering sticks on a Sunday. I mean, on and on, you can go through things that are just totally unethical. 
So those are the things that indicate that, that, that the book is most likely that created by a human, not by the creator, which is true and, and just and uh, reasonable. So uh, even things like uh, uh, just even the question about was, was Jesus uh, actually a historical figure? Right, and what, what was the origin of the Bible itself? And to come to find out that there is no, there was no original Bible. It was a, you know, a compilation of a variety of writings that were copied. Remember that back then they didn't have uh, laser printers and computers. They were handwriting everything. So the, the original books that were uh, assembled to create the Bible were actually copies of copies of copies of copies of mistakes of copies and copies of those mistakes and down through the through the ages we have no original bible to compare the modern day bible to to find out whether it's even an original or not but aside from all that if even if you examine the existing bible today and you measure it by the things that i mentioned is it reasonable is it uh, does evidence support it and is it just? Is it ethical? You can make the determination whether it is from uh, uh, a truthful source or not, the ultimate truth, which would be the creator of truth in our reality. So, um, yeah, the, the, that whole, the whole religious discussion is, is a tough one. People, uh, you know, I've, I've been there, done that. I know how difficult it is if you're within a, a religious organization to challenge it. You develop a lot of camaraderie and friendship, uh, friendships that uh, are very important to you and your family. It gives you a sense of purpose and so forth, and you just kind of flow along with it. But it fills a lot of needs for a lot of people, and uh, the, the, most people just don't think to think about it, whether what they're, what they're actually doing has anything to do with truth or not. And like I say, with the Internet, there's, there's no excuse for, for being blind to evidence that can either support your belief or deny it. But as long as you're willing to examine all sides of the issue, you'll eventually uh, be able to do, determine whether what you're, what you're following is true or not. Now, with regard to uh, uh, matter being an illusion, um, Hey, Randy, can I just can I just add on to that before you dive in? Because I'd like sure. to transition. Yeah, that, I think that's a really pragmatic way to share about that. Um, and you know, the forming of the Bible. One of the things that I had to look up was the uh, Council of Nicaea, and that's a weird spelling. It's N I C E A A E A, and that was something that uh, David Lonebear and Clifford Mahuti were both aware of. So, like I said, the, these Native American elders, their history was twenty thousand years. And uh, so they were, they're like, oh yeah, we know where that came from. Like it, it was wow. the most mind blowing discussion I've ever witnessed. And um, so, you know, I'll always have to do this research of stuff that I've com been completely unaware of, but in their history, they say, you know, the council of Nicaea created the Bible. Now some, he's like a lot of those stories and what's in there, there's truth in it. Uh, but then it gets changed to fit a need. You know what I mean? And if you look at, the way it's been used over time, whether it's the Crusades or what the belief is in the church in certain churches in different spaces, 
Um, you know, and if it's not a, a benevolent one, right. And, and when you're the way you're talking about, it's just, is it truth? Is it, is it equal to all that, that makes sense? You know what I mean? And that's, that's re that's, there's reason to that. And so, but it is, it, it is a very challenging thing for someone to do to question that when they're in that, cause they're in camaraderie, but then you also got to question how does, you know, how does a religion get built and started? And then you've got things like Scientology and, um, you know, how many different, religions there are out there so i just wanted to say that was a really you know pragmatic way to to look at it so i, I wanted to say that and then offer people to research the council of nicaea as well um and then yeah um would love for you to explore i don't know if your book like does it talk about like the well, origin hold of on. just just a second man i gotta yeah. pick back up on some on, on the council of nicaea and just add that that was was something that was headed by constantine who was a roman emperor and he was a pagan incidentally and he's the one who was deciding what was going to be uh, accepted into the, the official Bible and what was not going to be. And there were many, many uh, books that were available and they just selected. And, and, and if you go back historically and, and understand what was going on back then between you know, the conflict between the Jews and the Romans and, and how the Romans were basically... Uh, colonizing all of the known world at that time and they're moving they're moving into territories where these people have their own religions their own customs and that so the romans you know found that in order to hold that territory they had to just uh adopt uh you know many of the the beliefs that were existing in within that uh territory into the say the official belief of of the roman empire and so the Roman beliefs became an amalgam. It was all a way to kind of hold an empire together. And the same thing happened with, with Christianity. Christianity became just a mechanism to, to uh, uh, tone down the Jews, who they were fighting with all the time, and to open up uh, the, the whole world to the Roman religion. So they that's the reason that Christianity opened up to um, uh, non-Jewish people, is that so, so that the, the Romans would be able to pull people from every sphere into, into their official state religion, which ended up being the Roman Catholic Church. So, yeah, that's, that's a really, really interesting study, and people just, you know, they can do an Internet search, like, for example, did Jesus exist? You know, uh, a study of Constantine. Uh, what is the origin of the Bible? Um, and it's also really interesting that if you get back in there, you find that in, in, in the early, early Christianity, um, that um, there were many, many, there was no early Christianity. Some people say, well, they, they, you know, what we need to do is get back to the original Christianity. There was no original Christianity. There were, they were just vying factions of, of um, Jewish reformist movements. And there was uh, uh, there was uh, a uh, a group called, uh, or, or there was a belief called uh, Docetism, and then there was uh, uh, I think it was Monophysite Monophysites. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. And then there was uh, or or Originism. These were all beliefs in uh, you know in the first few centuries, uh, even prior to the Council of Nicaea. And these people 
had beliefs similar to the things that we would we will arrive at here as we're discussing these things, and that is that that uh, or they thought that Jesus was actually not even a a physical uh, uh, person that it was that he was a metaphor, uh, uh, a spiritual guide, if you will, and that uh, that we reincarnated, that we. Uh, we're on earth with free will to uh, decide basically our own faith and be our own uh, sal salvation, so to speak, and that we were here to learn and to grow and to come back and learn and grow. And so these early, th these uh, uh, sects, if you will, that I'm talking about here, they basically put people in charge of their own spiritual destiny. Well, Constantine couldn't have any part of that. You know, he, he wanted a state religion with him at the head as a, a godlike leader. And so these early sects that were uh, espousing the very things that, that you're kind of arriving at and you're, you're the, the, uh, the folks that you visited have probably arrived at, uh, you know, they, he just couldn't tolerate that. And they were persecuted and killed and, and, uh, and, Anyone who was not a part of the official state religion of Rome just became a heretic, and that's that's the way uh, Christianity evolved. But there's a there's a lot of information on the internet that people can study on this, and they they owe it to themselves to to know the truth on that. And that they have to understand. Anyone has to understand that if they if they if if they turn away from evolution. It doesn't mean that they have to become uh, they have to become religious in the sense that we see it today with the various religions and that's one of the reasons that people hold to to evolution materialism because they can't countenance the idea of be you know of the opposite uh, what they consider to be the only option that is being a part of religion and believing in the Bible and they believe it's nonsense and they can't go along with all of the obscene horrendous things that occur in the Bible and that have occurred in the name of religion through the ages, like the Inquisition, and witch trials, and so forth. And so that holds a lot of people in evolution and materialism because they can't, they can't tolerate the idea of, of sliding over into religion. On the other hand, people in religion, they, can't, they think that they can't turn away from their religion because they see the order and they in, in the world and they, they sense that there is some kind of creative force and, and they have some kind of a spiritual sense and they, they can't see themselves becoming an, an evolutionist. So those two positions are always vying with that one another and, and each of them think that the other is the only option. And there is the third option. And that is that we were, that we were created and that we are immortal beings. And that we're non-material. Our essence is an immortal essence, and as such, it's immortal. And maybe that's a, a way to uh, to move into this whole idea of matter being an illusion and so forth. It was a brilliant segue. Yes, and I agree with all that. So please continue okay. the segue. It is awesome. Okay. So one of the things, one of the ways that you can realize that you're nothing, <laughs> that you're not matter, is just just think about it for a moment. If you you don't have to be a physicist. You know, chemist or anything. Just think if you if you just take your body and start cutting it up into pieces, <laughs> and you see cutting it down far enough, and you get into as far as an atom, 
and then you get into the neutrons and the protons and the electrons, and then you get into the the quanta, the quarks, and the uh, all of the, the the super the the strings and so forth that are part of quantum physics. You end up at that point with nothing. I mean, you don't have to know about quantum physics. You don't need to know about atomic physics. You just know that if you cut your body down s small enough, it, it, there isn't going to be a, a smallest piece. It's like infinite, an infinite regression. And when you get small enough, there can't be really anything akin to what we would consider to be touchy-feely matter. You know, that we would be, uh, you know, we end up being just basically nothing. You know, so, um, and the, and the quantum physics, which is kind of a new physics, even though it was, you know, begun in the early uh, early 1900s in in earnest, has demonstrated the same thing, and that is that 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 at our most at our ultimately smallest part, we're more like a thought than any kind of a of thing that we could uh, consider to be matter. So just from that standpoint, we can come to understand that we are not this uh, physical body and brain that we think uh, we are. We're, we're something different than that. And just the fact that you have free will, you know, that you have free will, which is a, a quality or a capability that's far beyond matter itself, tells you that there's something else going on. And then you're, you know, each day you, you have... Uh, approximately 60,000 thoughts popping into your head. And somehow those things are all uh, kept organized. You know, otherwise we'd just basically be going insane if, if, those were, if it was all just jumbled in there. But nobody knows where those thoughts come from. There's no uh, identified loci in the brain, a point where a person, um, where a scientist can go and Neuroscientists can go and say, "Hey, that, that's where your thoughts come from." And that you know, those those neurons and those pieces of DNA and RNA. Uh, but that's not possible anyway, because if you reduce DNA and RNA down to its simplest chemicals, there's not thoughts there. there. There's only the chemicals, and if you break those chemicals down far enough, there's nothing there. So, in essence, what what we have is we have a creature, us and other living things that are like we're, we're like a our brain and our bodies are like receivers receiving a transmission from somewhere else and that transmission from somewhere else is the thing that is other that 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 got is guiding our thoughts that is guiding our conscience that uh, keeps things uh organized and and uh and you know one of the things i like to to ask somebody i'm just going to ask you matt um what what is that that uh that part of the of the body that's at the end of your arm what, what is that called my fingertip okay yeah okay that's what is what is that what is that thing that's inside of your skull that you think with? My brain. Now notice in both cases, and I could go through your whole body, in each case you say, my. It's my fingertip. It's my brain. Who's the my? 
Right. Isn't that neat? Yeah. We intuitively know that we are other. And it's been, it's been found uh, that, that kids, actually, until they're about 10, do not believe that they reside within their brain or within their body. They, they think of themselves as being outside of it. It's only with this pressure of this material world that we, we kind of get hemmed in to thinking just in terms of matter. So that's, uh, so that's kind of, uh, well, there, there's so many things that we can talk about to, you know, in terms of other. One, one of the a neat experiment is uh, that uh, if, they, if, if scientists attach uh, wires to a, a test tube, and inside that test tube, they put uh, white blood cells from a person. They were able to, ta- to pull from the, the, the blood of a person the uh, blood. They were able to separate out the white blood cells. They take the white blood cells, put them into a test tube, and then they attach uh, leads or wires to that test tube going to a machine that's similar to a uh, lie detector machine. And so it's got little, uh, it's, it's recording. Uh, what's going on in that test tube. And the person that donated those uh, uh, leukocytes, those white blood cells, travels 100 miles away, 1,000 miles away. It doesn't really matter. And they're put in a room with a theater and uh, a movie. And in that movie is going to be a scene that is personal to them and very disturbing, like... Uh, let's say they were in a crash and they, they lost a member of their family in that crash or whatever. And so this, they, the movie is, uh, does something to show something similar to that. Or if it's a war veteran, uh, they show actual films of, of planes going down in the ocean or battle, you know, on the ground battle and so forth. And, and at, the t- at the moment that that person that donated the leukocytes uh, sees the disturbing scene, the needles that are in the uh, needles attached or the the readout attached to the needles in the test tube uh, jump. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I've heard heard about that that study before. It's really fascinating. Here's another one. uh, Did you hear about the experiment with the rhododendrons? I don't know. Okay, so there's a... They, they had, uh, I'm not going to be able to recount this exactly, but they had uh, two pots of rhododendrons in a room, separate pots. And they brought in uh, six people into the room. And one of those six people took the, one of the rhododendrons, he threw it on the floor, and he murdered it. You know, he trounced on it, shredded it, you know, killed the rhododendron. All six people leave the room. They take this machine, this recording machine, and they hook electrodes to the remaining plant. And then one by one, the, the, six, the six people come into the room one at a time. And only when the murderer comes into the room do the, does the needle on the uh, lie detector start deflecting. And it's attached to the remaining plant. Holy that wit- crap. That witnessed the murder. So consciousness is not, you know, confined to us. You know, you've got things. Uh, I, I, I'm 
think about have you ever seen massive numbers of birds in the fly swarming you know just moving in every which way you don't see them bouncing into each other or falling on the ground there's there's like some kind of outside controlling mind over that and then you have shoals of fish you've seen those swarming around in the water and you don't see them bumping into each other and you know being injured they there's some sort of overmind that's that controls that there there's uh ant colonies where like the driver ants where you have millions upon millions of driver ants which are blind and they travel through the forest you know no problem you know one one purpose and and, and yet if you uh, pull out any one particular ant it does not really know what to do but as a group they do it's like it's like us, we, you know, we're like a gigantic ant colony and there's something, there's an overlord or over, overmind that's controlling us. That's the only way that, that so many things in nature and, and things that uh, related to us even make sense. Um, so I'm, you know, I, you know, in, there are so many things too that that point to other you know like there's I, i've got chapters in the book where i talk about weird things like homeopathy where um, agents that are used to remedy certain illnesses and so forth can be diluted so much that there's no longer even a molecule of the beginning herb or or mineral or whatever it is in the in the material but yet the the medicine is still effective and of course there's uh, there's hypnosis and psychic detectives and the fact that uh, the CIA and industry ha have used people with these abilities that cannot be explained in just in terms of, of standard neurophysiology. Um, I had one of the things that woke me up to the, uh, uh, to the paranormal, if you will, was, well, there are two things that did. One was, um, well, actually, I got I got awakened after I had gone through all the things that I've talked to you about so far, where I'm open to it. I mean, I realize that I'm other, that this reality is not all there is, that matter is not the end all of things, and that religion uh, are just man-made institutions, you know, with uh, exerting power over one another. And so I was primed for this, but it doesn't mean that it, that it affected the result. I, at our office, one time we had to, uh, we had like a, we have like a, I think it's like about a 15,000 square foot building and the floor is, is uh, uh, six inches of concrete, a part of it. Uh, and part of it is a warehouse, part of it is laboratory, part of it is, uh, customer service and so you know research people and so forth it and so forth and we needed to add a, a bathroom and yet i i didn't have the the drawings to the to the building any longer to identify where the lines were everything was would have been buried under the floor but i'm now i'm talking about uh the only way to find those lines uh, these would be the the sewer lines not the water lines but i needed to be able to put a bathroom like in the middle of this building we needed to get the sewer on out of the building and the only option would have been to jackhammer up the floor you know all over the place to try to find a line or to jackhammer trenches to get outside the building 
to uh, take it to the to the drain field. And uh, well, <clears throat> so I didn't really know what to do. And one of the the folks, uh, one of the people who was working for us, says, "Well, why don't you let me uh, douse it?" And I said, "What do you mean?" And he says, "Well, I'll just." He says, "I I'll I can just bend some coat coat, coat hangers here." And I'll walk around and I think I can find out where the lines are. And so he, and I show a picture of this in the book, uh, how, to, how to build these dowsing wires. It's just a right angle uh, in, made out of a metal coat hanger. And he was holding those uh, uh, coat hangers in each hand and he was walking around and they would just, all of a sudden I'd see them move in, cross one another move in toward one another and he'd bend down and he'd make a mark on the floor. And then he'd walk some more and he'd, the same thing would have to make a mark on the floor. And before long he had lines of marks. And he, and he says, I think those are where the lines are. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I said, well, could I try that? And so I, I did. And I was just amazed. <laughs> they turned you know, in the same places that, that, that he indicated the line was. So I said, well, okay, let's, let's dig down. And so we jackhammered a hole in the floor and three foot down exactly where we put a mark was the pipeline. And we're talking a 20,000 square foot building. So nobody knows what, how on earth did, did something like that happen? There's stuff going on that is just beyond our comprehension if we tie ourselves to just uh, our physical reality. Well, yeah. Yeah. go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, there's countless stories of people having personal experiences with, let's say uh, the higher mind or something, the, um, the harmony that, you know, connects us all, you know, that force that creates um, the coherence in a flock of birds or a school of fish or whatever that case is. And, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Cause you, you talk, a, I, I, I want to know about like life is suffering. Um, you know, what, what you've concluded there and also maybe a little bit of, um, life, death, and just the origin of consciousness. If you, if you've looked at that and from, and I'm just giving you a whole bunch of broad stuff that you can kind of take, you know, tackle as you wish. Um, but the idea that, okay, we are in this experience of consciousness and we're not really sure where that consciousness comes from. Um, but we do have this influence in our consciousness. So if I decide that I want to get really good at ping pong and that's my choice, I could play ping pong every day and take action. And then all of a sudden I'm pretty good at ping pong or I could do it to make art or whatever the case is. And in that sense, I'm influencing my reality. But then you've got this other side of things where there's that bigger, broader intelligence or this nature that you need to surrender to where life or something could kind of derail what you think you're supposed to do and put you on a different track. And so then where I've come to with it is a bit of that yin yang, you know what I mean? There's a little bit of each on both sides I can influence, but I'm also surrendering to uh, a higher idea. And, you know, when we look at all the different things out there um, around how we live, I think most people listening to this are in the world somewhere. They're wanting to improve their life. They're wanting to understand what reality is, uh, what, what f a fulfilling existence is for them. And so I just kind of wanted to give the idea back to you that, uh, you know, 
I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on like, why, why is it so darn hard? Why are we suffering um, all the time? Why is such a pain in the butt sometimes? And you know, maybe origins of like consciousness um, and how can we influence from what you've seen? Like, how do we ca- create this connection with this nature? And what I see is, you know, a divinity or a higher intelligence that's benevol- benevolent that we're a part of. Maybe if you're a fish, it's the water, you know, it's the thing that gives you life Well, without the water, well, you're going to be dead. Um, so that's kind of how I am perceiving it right now. And I'm just wondering if you can give some thoughts on that kind of jumble up question. I, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> I, I understand. And, and I, you know, I, I had the same questions and I'm not going to pretend that I can, that I know everything. And, and one of the reasons that I can't know anything is because I'm hemmed in by this physical reality. And that's one of the things, things that people have to realize is that this process that I've given you about using reason and evidence and natural laws and, and uh, ethics and justice and, and those sorts of things to ferret out truth um, cannot be used to the full, to the, to the extent that we can come to understand something that is not even comprehensible. And, and that, that would be, you know, what is this creator? How could there be a creator? What, where did the creator come from? Did the creator have, have a beginning? If so, what created it? And you get into that, you know, that infinite regression backwards. And, and uh, the thing that we have, there are, there are some things that we do have to resign ourselves to, and that is that we are bound, you know, by this physical reality. And there are things that we simply cannot understand because of the limits of our brain and this reality. And like, for example, the best thing I can think of is, you know, all of us understand that there's such a thing as infinity, but yet nobody understands what it is or how, how can it be? How how can there something go on forever, forever, both in, in, uh, you know, in, in space or in time, but yet that's what the evidence indicates is out there is the timelessness. Everything is interconnected and things are infinite. You're getting into realms that are beyond our capability. So I'm con- I'm content with that. I'm not content with it. I don't like it at all. I mean, I can't wait to get in a point if I, <laughs> if, if that is something that is in our destiny to actually, understand these things more fully but you know we're here in this physical reality for for a particular reason and all of the things i've talked about prior to this and certainly not all inclusive but would indicate that we are immortal conscious beings and then there's all the evidence from like uh, near-death experiences and past life uh, regressions and out-of-body experiences those things clearly point to uh, a life after death, to a consciousness after death. And so one of the things that, uh, that can give us insight into what, uh, what immortality is like or what life on the other side is like is, is by uh, people who, who are able to have out-of-body experiences or near, near I, don't, I don't like the name near-death experiences because these people that have these experiences are dead. It should be death experiences. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of confusing. If someone says they had a near-death experience, well, then, then the, 
neurologists can say, well, you're near death, you're not dead, so you're, you know, you're still thinking and you're hallucinating or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that these people who are having these experiences are literally dead. So I, I wish they'd change that, that nomenclature to death experience rather than near death. But in any case, the point is, is that these things all point to uh, the fact that we are immortal beings. And so then the question becomes, well, uh, you know, then why are we here? And um, that information or those answers come from interviews with people who have had those kinds of experience. They come back and, and tell us um, the very things that I talked about earlier, that some of the early uh, Christians who were really not Christians, but were uh, religious sects back then thought, and that is that um, we're here for a purpose, and that is to learn, to grow, to become uh, higher moral beings, and to pursue truth. Most people forget that part, that, that we have an obligation to for, pursue truth, because that's, that's the only true reality. And so that's what I have learned from from that, I have not had those experiences myself, so I have to rely on on, on those sources, the the people, the uh, uh, mediums, the uh, people who have that kind of capability to to uh, tell me why you know we're here, what is our purpose, and so forth. And you know, I can't I can't say for certain that's what it is, but it is certainly what life is teaching me. And that is that uh, it seems like my most valuable lessons are all the things that I've learned and that all of the, the bad things I've done in my past come to haunt me terribly as I get older. When you're young, you can do things that, you know, that you know are not quite right. And you think, well, geez, I'm not going to die for a million years and it'll all be forgotten by then. But conscience is a thing that just nags you, you know, terribly as you get older. And it, so that tells me that, you know, I'm, I'm here for a purpose, and that is to try to be a better person. And um, so that comports with the, the same thing that the, the, that the paranormal, uh, psychic uh, sort of people are, are reporting. And then in terms of, of why, 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 do, why is there suffering? Um, if... if well, I mean, that's one of the reasons that there is suffering is that we're here to learn by experience and you can't learn by experience if every time something is about to go wrong, a God intercedes and saves you. And, and, and it's only by, you know, the rough knocks of, of life that you, that you come to be a better person. You really learn. It's not by someone talking to you. I mean, you can gather information and, and and so forth that that help you and you become more and more educated but the life experience is what really teaches you and uh, the ultimate uh, teaching is that you know we we need to be better people you know we need to love one another and uh, that I think is is the you know the, the ultimate our ultimate purpose as far as why there is uh, suffering to the degree that there is in the world, how can that happen if if there is a creator and this creator is just uh, how how can there be the kind of misery that there is in the world? Well, 
you have to understand that the the creator is true and he creates laws that are true and consistent and just and the only way this world for example can hold together is that if those laws are allowed to operate you know the laws of chemistry and thermodynamics and physics and mathematics all have to continue to hold true in order for the world to remain as it is otherwise we would just basically fall apart at any moment but as part of those laws uh, there's <clears throat> there's laws that that governor govern the uh, the uh, the earth and the way that its its plates move and and that accounts for volcanic action, which relieves pressure on the earth. If that did not happen, the whole earth could possibly explode. I mean, there's, I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, that's, that's the natural world. And to the degree as possible, we try to avoid those kinds of things, but yet they can still happen. You know, and <clears throat> why is there a death? You know, why is there, uh, you know, and I, I'm particularly, I've always been troubled by, the idea of predation or uh, that, you know, that there has to be any death, any suffering and so forth. But yet that's the world that we're in. And without death, uh, <clears throat> without suffering, there cannot be some death. And death is necessary for the planet to continue. Otherwise, we'd be piled miles deep in, in organisms, you know, very shortly. So it's just a, a process, you know, that, that keeps this world as it is designed going. And the last thing is, is that um, the, the mediums and so forth that, that give us some insight from the other side indicate that, you know, we choose to come here. We, we choose uh, our parents. We choose friends. We tend, when we come here, we uh, come and associate with people that uh, we probably knew on the other side. But the point is that it is our choice to come here. We know what Earth is like. We know its risks, and some even indicate that uh, that you know they know that they're going to come here and be a, a pauper. You know, and they they choose to do that in order to learn a particular lesson. And so, as far as misery in that, we may have only ourselves to blame. And lastly, I just w would want to say that if we are looking at an infinity of being. Infinity is a really, really long time. And in an earth life of 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years is like a fraction of a second, if you will. So no matter what happens, you know, during this, this time on earth, as miserable as we may seem, as we may feel it is, in the perspective of immortality, it's like nothing. And if that, that second that we spend on earth is able to teach us valuable life lessons and improve us to be better beings, to, uh, then, then, it's, then it's worth it. Amazing. I love all that. And I definitely have similar views on, on pretty much all of that. I've heard from different people that um, this is earth school um, and my own exploration into what life is and what the meaning of this is, is, is similar to that idea that we're here to learn and to grow. And I like the way that you uh, share why we have suffering, because if we do indeed have free will, 
Um, you're not going to learn the consequences of your actions to then get feedback from the environment to then make a different action. And so as we are getting this continuous response from our environment, we can then begin to adapt and learn the lesson, disregard the lesson, um, and move forward with new information. And so I think that's a really good way to, to put it because sometimes for me, in observing the suffering of the world, it, it becomes challenging. And I think that we are these individual experiences of consciousness in a group collective. And, but what we can ultimately affect is our own decision-making, um, yeah. our own intentions. So, you know, intending to play ping pong, um, intending to uh, play badminton, intending to um, explore religion, intending to travel the world, intending to, live a life that's based on security and, and material acquisition. Um, really the choice is endless. And even if the choice being made is something that another person might not understand, um, you're still going to have learning in there. And it reminds me of uh, an Alan Watt talk where he talks about the ideas like, what if you had the ability to dream um, a lifetime of time? And you would do that every single night and you would do a few lifetimes of pure bliss and joy and enthusiasm. And then you'd, you know, you'd switch it up a bit because it get boring and gradually over time, you would get more and more daring with the so-called risks of your dream. And he's like, eventually you would dream to be where you are right now. And I just, when I heard that, I was like, that's such a brilliant, yeah. um, perspective and idea to consider and i and think it's also it's also true that you know that uh, that you know evil or or bad or misery or whatever suffering would probably not be permitted to happen if good could not come from it and it's out of all of this varied circumstance that we see and oftentimes it is miserable horrific terrible things that do happen on earth but out of that can come things like compassion and empathy. And um, that's, you know, if everything was hunky dory all the time, what a, what a boring life. I mean, I'm not saying I want misery, but uh, I guess there is, there is risk here. You know, we got to use our heads you know, we got to use our hearts, but uh, to have it otherwise, you know, I, I'm, that's one of the main complaints of atheists. They say, well, you know, I, I just can't, you know, you know, uh, I just can't believe in a God that would uh, allow a hurricane to hit and, you know, kill that many people. And they, they don't take into account just the, the reality that is here and that things have to happen in a particular way for this world to continue. And they certainly don't understand that they may have made the choice themselves to come here and to endure, the, endure those uh, sorts of things in order to become better beings. Yeah, hundred percent. And I really think that that's a um, really valuable perspective to add on. And when you're saying that, it made me think about asking you the question because um, we're getting a little bit late on time, but, I, but this opened up. I'm curious, like sometimes when I'm talking to people, I talk about like life tools. Like I, 
I see it sometimes as I'm on this boat in the middle of the ocean. And uh, sometimes it's going to be a sunny day. Sometimes it's going to be a rocky day. Um, but I, through my consciousness and through how I develop my mind and my perspectives and my learning and truth and experience and all those things that you're listing, um, I get better at, you know, adjusting the sail and my rudder and making sure the boat is clean, you know, whether it's your thoughts or whatever analogy you want to focus. It's kind of like a, I get better at learning to navigate the boat and they're kind of tools and mindset and consciousness. So the question I'd like to ask is, you know, what kind of tools or um, things do you use to navigate life in a, in, and to have the most fulfilling um, expansive life experience? And then the second part of that is, you know, you explored God and religion and spirituality and have come to the conclusion, if, if I'm correct, that there is some sort of intelligent force. And, you know, for me, when I was younger, God has like, well, I don't like this idea of like somebody hovering over me and like judging me like the way that I was taught it, you know, but I was like, I do like the idea of um, like a higher intelligence, because I feel like there is something I feel like there's an eternal and I think that there is a benevolent uh, side to nature and existence like that felt right. Um, But I wanted to explore this this connection with the unknown and this, uh, you know, God or nature or source or spirit, you know, I, for me, I feel like there's something, this is like intelligence or energy or I feel like it's something. And I, and I want to connect with that, um, as deeply as possible in the truest way. Um, and so I'm just curious if you can speak on maybe some of your life toolkits for navigating, um, everyday life and how we exist in it. And then to connect in, into the higher, nature of what you would perceive as a how you would i'm curious how you'd put it like god nature source and how we connect with that well first of all you know to try to comprehend that source is even more difficult more unfathomable than trying to comprehend infinity something that is capable of creating the complexity the the just staggering complexity of even a single cell is just beyond any hope of comprehending. And uh, so I have to be content with that, but I also have to be alert to what has been built within me. And, and, and what has been built within me is a, is a really strong desire for truth. I, I hate the lie. I, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I like to uh, overturn things that are obviously not true, that are leading people astray and are affecting their health or their mentality or are, are strangling their, their mind. And so I, I just think that, uh, you know, each of us have a desire for truth, but most of us think that we can't find it. and. I think the things that I've touched on here, I hope at least have made people realize that there is, there is a way to find truth, the truth within this reality. And, and uh, to the degree that we're able, I think that we should continue to do that. And that's something that I keep in the forefront of my mind. I'm always listening to things and looking at things and I'm thinking about truth. Although the, the things that I, I have developed in the book have have kind of made me content that way. I mean, not 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 to say that I can't uh, find new truths, but they're all kind of like uh, 
addendums to this basic thesis that I have uh, uh, developed in the in in the book, and I'm trying to share with with people. And the other thing is, uh, listen to conscience, you know, and treat other people like like you would like to be treated, and be the best person you can possibly be. Um, that's you know, that's. I'm not, I'm not so, you know, there was a time I was, I was even trying to do some things uh, like uh, I was listening to a program where they were talking about how you could possibly do an out of, get, do an out of body experience. I was not successful at it, but those things are uh, kind of would be nice. You know, I guess I would, I think it would be nice to be a medium, but I don't know, maybe that's a, that's an awful burden to have, you know, but I, I just think, you know, basically people just need to pursue truth, really open their minds, not be afraid to challenge any pre-existing belief. And the internet is the best truth finder you'll, you'll ever, I mean, it's just unbelievable what, what is available to people so they can determine whether what they believe is really as true as what they think it is or not. And follow, follow your conscience. And if you do those things, what what more could be asked of you? That's the way I feel. That's in, that's amazing. I think that that's extremely practical device and uh, practical advice and um, very useful because this, like you talked about, um, like God or spirit or nature, it's so unfathomable. And I've had experiences in my life where I've I've been to like that realm. Um, you know, two of them were in meditation and, you know, basically was like experienced a state of consciousness that's so far beyond anything that, that you could comprehend. Excuse me, me, Matt. That may uh, speak to the fact that we are part, we may be part. Oh, in fact, the, the, the evidence would indicate that we are, whatever that creative thing is, we are likely a part of it because everything is, is a continuum as far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that. And, and with your concepts, because the, and the idea is that, okay, great. Like that experience was very fleeting, you know, and it's not like I have them all the time. It's like a couple blips in my life where that I experienced it, but it just, it just confirms the knowingness of what you just stated there of pursuing truth, of being open-minded, of being kind of using my conscious. That's what it, it shows you you know, that's what the experience is meant to teach you. And the people who explore things like plant medicines or meditation or enlightenment or all of those things, you know, the deeper you go down that rabbit hole. And if you have those, you know, experiences that are so-called mind blowing or life changing and they're multidimensional or whatever the case is with all the stuff that's out there, all it does is confirm and double down and triple down exactly what you just said. And, you, and you know, you know, a lot of people would, would argue, well, the only way I can really know what is right and wrong is, you know, to read the Bible or to listen to my minister or priest and so forth. And I say to them, would you identify for me one thing in the Bible or the Koran or the Upanishads or anything? Identify one thing there or in any religion, Ethically, that's that's a, a that's a matter of ethics that you cannot derive from your own conscience. I just get silence. I mean, like like it's, I'm not. They're not you know, not going to church uh, every Sunday is like a mortal sin. Or I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that comes out of man-made religions. 
But as far as things that matter, you know, like not stealing, you know, you know, being kind, you know, not, not, uh, uh, you know, being truthful, you know, those basic elements are right within us. We, we don't need somebody to pontificate those to us. Those are things that are right there. But I just find that amazing, you know, that people will spend their whole lives, you know, pouring over scriptures and original language, the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the uh, Greek and 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 so on and so forth. And I was in organizations that were doing that where there were people were just doing nothing but pouring over scriptures, trying to find prophecies and, and doctrines that prove other religions wrong and on and on. And, but where's the, where is the ethics and where's the morality out of all that? That doesn't derive any of that. And none of these people, if they're asked, you know, what, tell me something in your religion that, uh, makes you a better person that you could not derive from your own mind and your own conscience, and they can't answer it. So that tells you that we don't need something else. It's all built within us. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's an, a, an incredible point that we have our own compass. You know, we know, <laughs> you know, you, you definitely know what is right and what is wrong. And if you're like, ah, I don't know, then, you know, that's that shady area in yourself, which is probably not correct, but then you do an action, right? And so even if you do the quote unquote wrong thing, and then the environment gives you feedback, right? Yeah. Um, I think yeah. Bill Burr talks about this, about one of them is one of the comedians, Bill Burr or um, the other guy, I can't remember his name now, but he talks about how like when a little kid does something terrible and, um, you know, then something bad happens, he's like, you're not supposed to pamper them. They're supposed to feel crappy because then they know that they shouldn't do that. They're supposed to feel all yucky on the inside. You know, let them, that's how you learn. It's like you make this action, you take a kid's dinky car, right? And then he finds out and you feel terrible. Like that's that feeling and that feedback for yourself to know, oh, you know what? That's not a good way to operate in this reality. That doesn't feel good. That's not in, a, in alignment. And you don't need, you know, like a guide. And that's where it gets a little bit um, interesting when I studied um, hypnosis and mass persuasion because I was curious about how we had war on the planet. I was like, oh, we're supposed to be this. And I'm a kid at the time, like 15. I was like, why do we still have war? And we still do now, which still surprises me, but I learned about that. And it's because there are rulers of the planet um, and people have agendas, which are based on greed and that they, they you know, use all different kinds of everybody, tactics. And everybody, excuse me, just everybody's, everybody's here, not at the same level of moral development that's yep. the, that's what uh, my understanding is from uh, people talking to people on the other side they say that uh, there's all levels and people come here who are you know dastardly people and there are people here who are very you know morally developed and and out of that mix comes our our world that is a mixed bag yep yep 100 percent and, and I think that we both kind of touched on this is that, you know, you, you're the driver of your ship and every good spiritual teaching or, or one that I consider to have value anyway, always puts back the fact that you're the creator, that you have everything within you to answer those deep questions and to have your own navigation of this existence. And you can learn from, from other peoples and other ideologies, but there's nothing 
over you. You know, there's no God hovering, waiting to condemn you. Um, it is kind of like you experiencing life as like that, that God spark, that source is in you. It's in, it's in all things in the same way, you know, um, that's right, because you know it certainly can't be explained by looking at atoms. Yeah, and those deep, exactly, and those deep questions where where people get confused and and they're curious, the unknowing part. There's no chance that we're going to know it. It's so, like you said, so far beyond comprehension. It's at, you are not doing it. It's like a two year old trying to figure out you know, I don't know, advanced quantum mechanics while juggling a thousand balls in the air while doing simultaneously backflips. Like it's just not, it's not happening. And so that's where that kind of surrender piece. And that's where you get that feeling, you know, that intuitive sense. And I think that that intelligence and that knowingness is in that silence and it's that feeling and you know, and the, some of it you have to surrender to because we're here in you know, the veil or the illusion to experience this, because if we knew if we did a plus B plus C, it would be boring. Uh, we wouldn't get the feedback. We wouldn't be able to create in the same way, in the exact same way that if you play a video game, you don't know all the cheat codes, you got to kind of figure things out, but we're kind of in some sort of wild advanced version of that. Yes. I, yeah, I agree. Very good. Amazing. Well, this has been a privilege and an honor. I think that with your book in this conversation, we literally just, um, you know, briefly we didn't get to talk about pickleball. I oh yeah, <laughs> we, I know. We, like, that, we could do that another time. Yeah, that but sounds good. Is, sport is is uh, I, I you know I would sometime I could talk to you about that about how I just believe that sport is a is a great learning tool for for many things in life for self improvement for honesty for learning for uh, just developing yourself in so many ways. Well, I, well, I hundred percent agree. Well, I, before I end any podcast, I always see if there's anything that you wish that we had touched on or that you want to elaborate on. And, you know, the sport thing for me, cause I told you at the beginning, you know, I wrote a book called Zen athlete because I believe that I believe that, you know, essentially your book, Zen athlete would be a very, you know, touch on a few points in a different way to teach it to kids. So yours is more like the adult version, the expanded version with lots of science, but what can, what can we empower youth with um, that is beneficial to how they navigate life and, and a person and, you know, the tactics and, and tools in there, it's kind of like a catalyst to develop mind, body, and spirit, a way to navigate reality, kind of like your philosophy of understanding the truth. You know, it's a, it's a process that, that doesn't change. And sport for me is a very, I totally agree, is a very powerful way to explore reality and also improve yourself in every single way. So if you felt like touching on that, definitely go for it. Um, and if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on or that we didn't cover, feel free to elaborate. Oh, boy. Uh, well, you know, I agree with you on the, the sports. It's been a part of my my life, I, I still compete uh, in in the sports that I, I think you mentioned in the introduction, and I it's one of the things I really look forward to, and I, I like the 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 fact that it keeps me uh, constantly trying to be fit. It, it helps me uh, watch, you know, how I take care of myself, nutrition. I mean, and uh, I'm able to pass that on to to others, you know, and you know over the past. 30 years I, I've been doing that in terms of health and but uh, yeah I, I think sport is a in fact now I've, I've kind of transitioned I used to work out just to be physically 
fit, I guess, before I really got strongly into adult sports. But now I, I always train with the notion of how, how I can be better at, at the particular sports that I play. And, and just the camaraderie that you have. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's uh, I think, a great, could be a great part of anybody's life, no matter what the sport. It's just a very interesting thing to do and many things you can learn from it. Yep. A hundred percent agree. You, you learn a lot from it. And I think that sport in general, the culture that we're using to define sport as like a win or lose uh, type of scenario, when we redefine that as uh, personal empowerment, self-development, community building um, and camaraderie, and that becomes a cultural standard and that will be a massive shift for humanity, yeah. you know, what the Olympics could be and things like that. And that's the true nature of sport and competition and personal improvement and fun, you know, having fun with your oh, yes. fellow man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, well, we're definitely gonna have to do this again because I think, like we said, we we just brushed the surface of every single chapter, not even all of them. There is a lot more, uh, but I just want to thank you for your time, uh, for your research, for your personal exploration, and for your willingness to share your work. Um, before we end off, I just want to ask if there's anything else again that you wanted to touch on, and just let people know where they can find more about you and the book and your work. Um, well, the best best thing to do to find out more is just go to the website. It's called as if thinking matters.com or, you know, if they, yeah, that'd be the best way to, to do it. If they plug Song into a browser, they'll end up into the, a lot of the company stuff, but maybe they would be able to get at me that way too. But as if thinking matters.com is, uh, is the main source of this kind of information. And I have a free, newsletter that I do and like I said if if the people don't want to get the book they I'm uh, slowly developing the book I mean I'm slowly uh, recording the book in podcast form and on YouTube so that would be available to them too Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Dr. Wysong, it's been a privilege to converse with you. Um definitely stay in touch and thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, man. It's been great talking to you. You too. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, dear goodness, guys. That wraps up that incredible episode with Dr. Randy Wysong. I hope that you enjoyed it. It was really, uh, he, he's, he's so knowledgeable. His book is really in-depth and incredible. Uh, he made some incredible points. Uh, if you want to support this episode, please share it. Let your friends know about it. Share the blog. Share the share whatever. Um, but the best thing to do is just do the kindness challenge. And, and I'll know if you did it if you just tag me and just put hashtag kindness challenge. Um, and that could be one act of kindness after listening to the podcast. And I would love that for you to be your routine. So as soon as you listen to my podcast or any podcast ever or any reason whatsoever, um, just look for an act of kindness for it to pop up. So getting someone's name counts. Picking up a piece of trash counts. Um, listening to somebody counts. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be just pay it forward or, or give someone your time and energy, you know, just simple things. Because when we get somebody's name, we recognize them as existing as human beings. And it's unfortunate that we forgot about that. So get somebody's name. When you buy two co- a coffee, get two coffees. Um, just think about things that you can do to help others. And that's really spiritual mastery right there. So the official kindness challenge 
is doing three acts of kindness a day, going out of your way to do it, not telling anybody other than the fact that you're doing the challenge and maybe like an example here and there. The idea is not to brag about it. Um, and do it for seven days and invite some friends to do it too. And at worst case scenario, you did uh, you know good deeds for a week. So try that on. Let me know if you're going to accept the challenge. Um, it'd be really beautiful if we can get more and more people to do that. And if you just imagine whole cities and thousands of people or the entire planet just for a week uh, takes this chat challenge how fast we would shift the planet because it comes through action um, we can think things but we need to take action and so um, i invite you guys to take that challenge leaving a review helps um, patreon helps if you go to www.patreon.com forward slash matt belair and just um, toss a buck in the bucket that would be uh, meaningful and it would be very helpful and i would appreciate that um, check out the sponsors david lone bear Senapass, who does need our support and not only does he have these ancient teachings he does have technology from these ancient copper scrolls that you can check out so you know look into it see if he's full of baloney or not you know i could be off i could be missing something but spent all summer with them checked it out with scientists and mathematicians and uh, so I, they, it's still looking pretty darn good to me I, nobody said hey that's baloney yet they're like how the heck did he put balloons into space how did he make that three-pole magnet those don't exist so it's more curious than anything so that's where i'm at right now and um, somebody chipped in 300 bucks thank you so much for supporting him um, i'm doing the best i can using the, the podcast i'm supporting financially as much as i can um, but you know what he can do once once he kind of um, gets a little bit of traction i'm excited to see so uh, we got the biodome in north carolina we want to put more balloons into space so supporting him just go to lonebearsarts.com or um, hit me up matt at zenathlete.com and you can hit me up if you want to do some coaching you want to hear clifford mahuti the native elder of the zuni uh, AL native elder, uh, David Lombear, native elder of the Mi'kmaq, uh, myself on peak performance, spirituality, consciousness, um, any of those things. So hit me up if, if we can help and be of service. And uh, if you want to do some coaching or the heart journey, also Matt at zenathlete.com. And I think that's it. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Um, so before we do this, uh, end it, let's just close the container by coming into a powerful state of uh, self-empowerment of self-love. So all you need to do in order to do that is is to breathe out and breathe in nice and deeply, holding that breath in and setting the intention to be as loving and kind to yourself and ex as accepting to yourself right now as you hold that breath in and just let it out slow with all the self-doubts, all the self-criticisms, all the, the self-hate and the self-destruction, all those thoughts, just seeing them being breathed out now. Taking another deep breath in through your nose and just really f affirm this commitment to be kind, loving, supportive, compassionate to yourself. Now in this moment for the days and weeks and years to come to be your number one supporter and let that breath out slowly with all the limitations, self-doubt, self-criticisms, um, degrading talk to yourself, just letting that go and just letting it go for now and forever and just letting one more deep breath in through your nose just really magnifying this commitment to be as kind and as compassionate as and as accepting to yourself where you are at every point of your entire life because it is a flow just making that firm internal commitment now to yourself and just let out any breath any limitation any doubt anything that would prevent you from doing that and just feeling whole complete harmonious uh, connected with yourself into divinity into you know source spirit nature however you feel it with that breath of life coming in knowing that you are alive that you are a part of all existence that you're amazing and eternal and infinite and just incredible as you are so thanks so much for listening to this podcast i hope that you enjoyed it have an incredible day and i will see you in the next episode